fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 50. We're here, Roman numeral L, the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rose Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy glory. Your lead blocker in your quest for dominance this fantasy season. We're actually on our way into week 11. The playoffs are three very short games away unless you're in some sort of weird league where you're not in a 13-game season or whatever. But I know it's creeping up fast. Uh, In my league, the trade deadline just passed, and we actually had extended ours for a week, so most people's probably already over. This is when you're hunkering down with what you got. You're trying to win these last, you know, a lot of you are probably in a, I got to win two in the next three to get in, something like that. Some of you have to win out. Some of you are just defending your territory. Listen to us. We're going to point you in the right direction. I was going to say nudge, but we're not going to nudge anybody. We're going to forcefully push you where you need to go. Right. <laughs> and I, of course, am your host, Nat the Truth Jones. Uh, fighting off a little bit of a cold, but I'm here. I'm fighting. I'm, I'm getting the snap count up. I don't care. I'm not going to let down my fantasy owners. And with me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. Wolf, how you doing? Uh, doing fantastic. Like you said, this is the, the go time, baby. I got a couple leagues where I'm fighting for the buy and, and you know, nine and one just already locked up the playoff spots got a couple of those which is glorious but sometimes i almost like the claw and scratching leagues like you know my big league four and six have to win out but like five other owners are four and six so it's just a clusterfuck that's when like the the medal is made of the two times i've won titles i've never been when it's like a cushy first round buy it's always when you claw yourself in and your team is battle tested so this is it this is go time it's time to put these boys to work and see how they do three games left Uh, it's i'm jacked up i'm terrified all the emotions running through me nat i won my hometown league on two different occasions i know you've won the fez twice also the first time i won it i was 11 and 2 and i i was i was i was was very strong i was i was like seven and one and i played another guy that was seven and one in like week nine and i kicked his ass and everyone knew at that point like what was up and then i rolled through the playoffs last year i won it from four and six i won out went seven and six won three games in the playoffs and i gotta admit that felt like quite a flex i mean like that's the best i looked back and it was it was weird because at four and six i looked at my team and i was like i should win all the rest of my games like it was it was like I, I knew I could do it, and I mean, I knew my guys, if they came together at the right time, they, w- they were as good as anyone, and they did it, and it worked mm-hmm. out great. Can't bank on it, but that's what happened, and so I tell everyone that's four and six, like, listen, I, I did it, and it was yep. awesome. You can do it, too. Um, <laughs> you should go on tour with your motivational speech right there. Yeah, except that <laughs> go, go to high schools across the country in impoverished areas. Un- unfortunately, <laughs> like I did it. It, it was a big deal, and I did it. But unfortunately, there are at, at least a hundred thousand people probably with the exact same story. Uh, just yeah. n- just not all of them have a podcast. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is a big deal. Um, Rotor Street League. You actually took a, a tough loss to Keys. <sighs> Running um, train on us, ten yeah, and zero. Has anyone ever gone undefeated? Like I've never, I've never seen that. No, and, I, I, this is impressive stuff. He's doing, he's quite the beast right now. So the guy, he used to, he came to us just as an inspiring writer that wasn't a huge fantasy guy, and now he's just transforming into this absolute wolf since working with us. The guy's a monster. And, I have much respect to you, Keegs. Well and, done. And I'm nine and one, and I'm playing him next week. 
And oh, baby. It, yeah, Battle I, of no, Titans. That's like Monday night Rams yeah. and Chiefs type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, right? except speaking <laughs> of the Rams and the Chiefs, they're both on bye that week, so I will not have Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, or Tyreek Hill. So, That's uh, tough. Yeah, I mean, like I'm like a 90-point underdog already. So oh. that, I will not be winning that particular game. All right, we're going to get right into the stock watch, the trainer's room. We're going to talk about the Seahawks backfield, James Conner, not Le'Veon Bell. A.J. Yeah. Green, the Ravens quarterback situation. Randall Cobb, I can't believe he's getting even spoken about on this show. And then a quick rapid-fire segment. We're going to start off with the Seahawks running backs. Uh, Chris Carson, due to a hip injury, was removed from the Week 11 injury report. Seahawks offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer confirmed Carson will start Week 11 against the Packers. Um, you know, he's he's had some big carry days, and he's mm-hmm. actually even involved a little bit in the passing game. But we have not seen consistent, I don't know, three games in a row maybe is about as much as we've seen out of him so far. Right, exactly. He has these massive workloads, and then he gets hurt and sits him out. And and at this point, Rashard Penny, fresh off a blow-up over 100 yards TD, looking very explosive while doing it. So now do we have three backs? Because Mike Davis has looked really good as well. Uh, It's a frustrating situation because all three of these guys have produced really well when afforded the chance. It's the run-heaviest offense in the league. So whoever is getting the bulk of the work is going to produce. they got a great matchup against uh, Packers D that's given up nearly 500 yards over their last four four touchdowns in that span as well so they've been getting just bludgeoned on the ground so it could be multiple backs just getting dominant works there and you got to roll with Carson at this point if he's the starter and whenever he started 32 19 14 25 carries in his last full kind of featured games so he's been getting the volume when he's out there this was obviously before Rashard Penny came out and just had his blow up too so that makes him a little bit riskier I still would be rolling Carson most in most lineups, you got you know six teams on by. Uh, flex options are getting pretty thin out there, so I imagine he'll be out there in most lineups. But if you have that type of uh, decision to make, hit me up at Roto Street Wolf. Let me know my your thoughts on it. Uh, but the other thing to go with that is Pete Carroll suggested Rashad Penny may not have much of a Week 11 role. He's the hottest waiver wire ad. Forty dollars somebody spent in my league on the free agency. If you budget. got it, you should spend it at that point. You know how I feel right. about that. I, I, I get that, but then you got to be pretty discouraged to hear that. You oh, know, th- sure, absolutely. Carroll comes out and says when everybody's healthy, not everybody's going to get the ball. That's just the way it is. Chris Carson's going to be healthy this week. So it seems to me the Tealy's pointing Carson to be the expected 15, 20 carry guy. Penny, you'd imagine, would be coming in next. Uh, but Davis has been very impressive, too. Carson's really the only one I would truly touch, uh, trust in my lineups this week. Yeah, I actually found myself in an unfortunate situation where I literally did not have any players and needed to move somebody in order to make sure I didn't take a zero at one of my flex positions. I ended up trading Chris Carson straight up for Wendell Smallwood. Oh, um, what a sin. Disgusting. I mean, I had to do it. Like it, was, it wasn't like I went into the trade being like, hey, this is fair. Like It was like, <laughs> I'm going to take a zero. It was that or pick someone up off waivers. There was nobody as good as Smallwood. The best two offers I got were Theo Riddick and Smallwood, and I basically closed my eyes and... Took Smallwood. Oh. I mean, I, I didn't love either of them. But I will tell you this. I won my game by four points, and Smallwood got six points. So had I not made the deal, I would have lost. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean. Well, yeah, then, then, you, then you know what? It's worth it because, honestly, like Carson, would, you, you know, he might have a big week this week. He might 
pan out. Uh, but at some point, he seems like he's bound to suffer a season injury. Every time he has 20 carries, he breaks down. You got Penny nipping at your heels. Davis playing well, maybe becomes a three-headed nightmare. So if it got you the win, it's not like Carson was unloadable. Uh, I'm, I'm with it now. I was ready to puke and probably slap you, but I, I'll take it. I did I'm not. Accepting. I did not do it lightly, and it got me the win. So I get. It. I mean, I had. I, I had. I mean, I have David Johnson. I have Nick Chubb. And I have Sony Michelle in, in addition to that. So it wasn't oh, like, true. yeah, I mean, potentially really great. It wasn't like I have two running backs and I traded Carson. It was, he was my fourth guy. I needed the points. All right, moving right. on to another great running back, James Conner. Updating He's, an earlier report, James Conner, due to concussion protocol or after concussion fr- protocol, was a full participant at Wednesday's practice. Good news for Conner owners. Absolutely, yeah. Le'Veon Bell, obviously, we talked about on our Monday stock watch, not coming back. So it's the James Conner show here on out. He's fully cleared. There's kind of rumblings. He wasn't even concussed in the game. Doesn't matter at this point. Uh, so you, you roll now, James Conner, obviously, as expected. Tougher matchup against Jacksonville, but there's no matchup that this guy can't handle. So involved as a receiver and a runner. Great news to hear that. The only reason I also <laughs> wanted to bring this guy up, though, was uh, Jalen Samuels, the running back behind him. Mike Tomlin keeps uh, singling the this guy out lately saying that the arrows continually pointing up on this guy. He was the first one in when Connor got knocked out with the concussion uh, in the Thursday night game. Guy saw five carries, four targets, found the end zone in that Thursday night game. And the reason why he's so intriguing, not just because he's a handcuff, but on Yahoo leagues, he's a running back and tight end eligible guy. So let's say something ever happened to James Connor and he did suffer a multi-week injury or God forbid a season ender. This guy would be the Steelers workhorse and you could put him into your tight end spot. So at this stage, when, you know, we're almost all the way through bye week hell, there's not really much higher upside in terms of stashing as just a handcuff alone. The Steelers running back situation is glorious, but if you could put it in your tight end spot would be just legitimate cheat code. Mark, he's Colton a few years ago, style status. So keep that guy in mind. Jalen Samuels, for the Steelers, only 9% owned, a deep sleeper that could really pan out for you. Jot it down, folks. A.J. Green. I actually tried to trade for A.J. Green before the trade deadline with a couple people, um, Mm -hmm. hoping I could have him blow up in the playoffs, but they all turned me down. Bengals coach Marvin Lewis says he hopes to have A.J. Green uh, toe injury. He's had toe injuries before. It's uh, always Sundays. a little like nagging. Yeah, yep. I hate that shit. Sunday's game against Baltimore. I miss the old AJ Green, Steve Smith back and forth. Baltimore Bengals games. Um, right. I, I'm interested to see what Green's going to do this week because the Bengals defense has been like legendarily atrocious. So you know they're going to be passing. But you think he's going to be there with the toe? right? Exactly. Uh, just a horrendous. Right, exactly. So, I mean, they, they might have to play catch-up mode against the Ravens, who will be throwing a lot. Uh, we don't know if A.J. Green's officially going to be playing because he was expected to miss at least two games with this injury. Uh, but th- this is a shocker, and it's a must-win situation for both teams. So maybe they're going to force him out there. And in a must-win play, if he's out there as a fantasy owner, you're playing A.J. Green. Just obviously he's a monster target hog beast in one of the past heaviest offenses in the league. And like you mentioned, their defense is so bad, even with Marvin Lewis taking over the reins again. Uh, it, it should be putting up their points uh, in terms of the Baltimore side of the ball. So, yeah, if A.J. Green's out there, you're rolling him out, uh, even against a tough Baltimore D. So we'll see what it, it comes down to the wire. I still don't think he's going to play. I think it's still a long shot. Uh, but in a must-win situation, maybe he goes. This is just surprising, the fact that he might even potentially play. I don't think he's going to play, personally. Yeah, probably going to sit. All right, we'll let's, see. Let's talk Joe Flacco and the Ravens quarterback situation. Flacco, they say he's got a hip injury. I heard it was on crutches. Did not practice Wednesday, and according to the Athletics, Jeff, Jeff Zrebic 
reporting uh, that the Ravens have, quote, continually mentioned, unquote, Robert Griffin III as a candidate to start this week. Do you buy that? <laughs> ah, man, I... The only reason I would slightly buy it is if the if one Joe Flacco definitely can't go, and two they're not confident quite yet in Lamar Jackson in this must-win spot. If they think a veteran like RG three gives them a better chance to win, then maybe it's real. But how could RG three's one in four in his last five starts just hasn't shown anything on an NFL field since his rookie season almost? Uh, so how could you potentially trust this guy with your season on the line? Other than the over the the first round rookie that. That you drafted that's flashed his athleticism time and time again uh the offense has moved well when he's on the field Lamar Jackson so I, I don't buy it but either way whoever is the starter whether it's Flacco whether it's Robert Griffin the third whether it's Lamar Jackson who I'm hoping for he has the highest ceiling of the three any of the three are almost locks to be in lineups especially for bye week films because of how bad since he is giving up the most passing yards in the league the most second most rushing yards in the league just getting dominated in every Every single facet of the game. Uh, so whoever is under center has very real streamability, no matter who it is. But the highest upside would definitely reside in Jackson and that athletic ability that's pretty much unparalleled on the NFL field from the quarterback position. Randall Cobb is out. I repeat, Randall Cobb is out. Um, does anyone give a shit? Yes, Marquez Valdez Scantling owners do. Yeah, and that's and I'm you, one of them. I, <laughs> you threw some shade right when I you saw it on the menu. Like nobody cares. I'm surprised to see him on the menu. Well, if you own Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, you should care because it's not that Cobb was crushing his value or anything no, of that sure nature, wasn't. but it's just more more vacated targets. So why not mention it? Uh, you already saw a team high seven targets tied with Devontae Adams last week. Van, Valdez Scantling did gets a lot of work out of the slot when Cobb is out. Uh, which it, it's ne- kind of debatable whether that's a positive or a negative because the volume tends to be higher. You tend to see a lot more looks as with those seven targets last week, but they don't usually, uh, they're not the big play variety, which you usually sees outside when Cobb is playing. So it's debatable whether this is a huge positive or just kind of a wash. Either way, Seattle has been struggling with speedy receivers. We saw Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods dicing them up all last weekend. Uh, Marvin Jones put up over 120 on them a couple weeks ago. And scaling that 4-3-6-3, body just has that profile of guys that have been dominating the Seahawks over the last few weeks. So just more targets coming his way. Maybe if you opened up for Jimmy Graham, uh, just to mention that for sure. All right, you ready for some rapid-fire action? Let's do it. All right, Marvin Jones, due to his need, did not practice on Wednesday. And that means Kenny Galladay could be another target hog. We saw garbage time last week. We racked up like 12 points in a two-minute span. That might be the whole game this coming week. Royce Freeman of the committee, Freeman and Lindsey, due to an ankle injury, was limited at Wednesday's practice. It definitely takes a little bit of shine off Lindsey's stats because Freeman is a goal line maven and might steal a touchdown or two. But you're still Lindsey well over Freeman. Just a great stretch run schedule for both of them, though. I've seen Freeman dropped a lot. I think he needs to be at least stashed at this point. Texans activated running back Deontay Foreman. Achilles injury from back in the day from the PUP list. 
And that means Lamar Miller, complete vanilla and Blay, might be on notice here to have his job completely stolen from Foreman. Uh, we don't know yet when he'll actually be on the active roster, but this opens up the window at least. It's been a clear you know, black cloud up until this point. Non-committal Bill O'Brien saying, let's just see where he's at. At least we know he's healthy enough to get off the PUP. Let's see him officially get activated. But at this point, only 11% owned. That number needs to rise. Redskins coach Jay Gruden says there is a, and this is a direct quote, Good chance Chris Thompson uh, will not play in week 11 due to his ribs. Yeah, the ribs have been a painful issue for Thompson, and he hasn't been able to get over it. That just means more locked-in duties for Adrian Peterson, their workhorse. Tough matchup, though, coming against uh, Houston. I'm not really worried about any of them other than AP. No Capri Bibbs stream or anything like that. Jordy Nelson, who evidently still plays professional football, could miss (laughs) week 11 against the Cardinals due to a knee injury. Um you know, I know I said this before about Randall Cobb, but I, I feel like this is like that to the nth degree. Truthfully, does anybody care about this? Oh, not at all. I just wanted to see what <laughs> your reaction would be sure. to be putting it on the agenda. <laughs> and they, they they activated a wide receiver from the practice squad named Saeed Blacknail. So I just wanted to be able to say that type of creature's name on air as well. If somebody streams Saeed Blacknail and he gets you a touchdown, like we'll give I will you a Rose Street Journal shirt. You, <laughs> I'll hand, yeah, exactly right. I will send you a T-shirt at the minimum. I'll hand you over the the keys to the company if you're willing to to stream Saeed Blacknail. But yeah, no one gives a shit about anyone on this offense. The only thing that matters there is the Cardinals, just that much more streamable and by far the number one defensive play this week. Yeah, David Johnson might go off on those guys. Absolutely. All right, uh, quarterbacks. We're going to talk quarterbacks. We're going to higher, lower, Hail Mary on. I'm going to keep you to about a minute and a half on each section. Um, quarterback that you're higher on, Dak Prescott at Atlanta. You got him as your QB 11. That's five spots higher than the experts. Um, why? One, he's topped 20 in his three of his last four, uh, and those are in some tougher matchups that he's done that. Atlanta is surrendering 294 passing yards, 30th in the NFL with that, and only two quarterbacks have not topped 20 fantasy points in nine games in Atlanta, that being Nick Foles in week one when they were actually a healthy defense, the other being Alex Smith, the king of bled, the Lamar Miller of quarterbacks. Even Baker Mayfield just put up 22 in a negative game script against this team. They're abysmal. Dak's on fire. Rip it up with Dak Prescott, a clear-cut QB1 in my opinion this week, and a juicy schedule moving forward as well. Only 40% owned. He could be your QB1 savior if you're needy right now. If there was a bleh set, Alex Smith quarterback, Lamar Miller running back, who would the who would the wide receiver be? I mean, we talked a lot about Randall Cobb today. I'm telling you, <laughs> on the spot, there's got to be a better one. Than like no, it's got to be someone better. It's got to be someone who puts up numbers more better than Randall Cobb. But like, right, but it's just like you know, you're just like, oh gosh, thanks yeah, for thanks for the five receptions for sixty yards and no touchdowns. That's a great one. I'd love to hear some user submissions. Who would be? I think Alex Smith and Lamar Miller are like the locks. Who would be the wide receiver version of that? Love and tight end. I'm interested in tight end as tight well. Tight end too. Yeah, let's round out the set. I'll come up with a couple for next episode on the spot. Uh, Michael Crabtree's one of the first names, but he's been good. But it's, he's not blah. He's talented. I don't know. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but yeah. maybe it will come to me by the end of the show. A crabtree type, but maybe not quite as good. Right. All right. Uh, lower, Ben Roethlisberger, fresh off 35 points and 25 points, inclu- including on the road against Baltimore. Uh, why are you down on Ben Who when I mean, the Steelers' offense is just like, you know, clicking the way they have been? 
It's scary. It's risky to say it, uh, but you know I like to make my bold claims. They're on the road against Jacksonville, and Jacksonville has not been Jacksonville of last year. They just nope. gave up 23 and 21 fancy points in their last two. Uh, Dak Prescott, who we just talked about, put up 29 fancy points against these guys just a couple of weeks ago. So this is not the Jacksonville of old, but they've also been – Pretty dominant when A.J. Bowie's also in the lineup. They have those two corners with Ramsey and Boye. Uh, they've been a much different defense, and he's expected back this week. They have only given up 120-plus uh, point score. Actually, one only one 16-plus score when they have both their corners in the lineup, and that was Dak Prescott, who I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tom Brady, some other really good quarterbacks, not putting up any numbers against him. So I could see Big Ben. I mean, I don't think he's going to just completely fall on his fl- face and suck. But if it's a tricky matchup call, I'd rather have, let's say, Dak Prescott. I know that sounds crazy the way Big Ben has been playing. I'm just a little bit worried that they could end up shutting him down a little bit more now with that defense getting healthy. Man, I would never start Dak Prescott over Ben, but I, I hear what you're saying. I respect your bet. I'd throw that one out there this week. Yeah, okay. I'll take Ben. Dak I take ben. ben. You take Dak. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the board. It's on the I'm board. I'm the underdog. Consider it, it, the consider underdog. it done. Hey, I'm a guy that okay. took Brock Osweiler in a bet against you one time on purpose and won. Who the fuck was the other one? Like, it, it, you always remind me. Who the fuck was the quarterback? I took like Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. No, like, oh, yeah. And they finished bold. like 29th and 30th that week. <laughs> all right. Uh, it was the shittiest bet of all time. Legitimately. It was the shittiest bet of all time. But I would had to be right. Anyway, uh, hail Mary, Baltimore quarterbacks, and you're saying parentheses and big capital letters. Please be, please be Lamar Jackson. Uh, talk to us. I mean, please of course. I mean, look, Jackson. you said that the Baltimore quarterbacks when we did this like two episodes ago had the best you know matchups here on in. So I'm assuming that's why you like this. Absolutely. Dumb better than Cincinnati, giving up the second most fantasy points to signal callers, most passing yards in the league. Uh, second most rushing yards, so it's not really like a, a rushing quarterback would be hurt against these guys. I think Jackson would be a threat for 100 rushing yards against him. Uh, so whether it's a passing quarterback like Flacco slinging it deep, whether it's RG3, who uh, that might make me a little nervous, but still streamable if you're completely desperate. But my, my top bet would hopefully be Lamar Jackson. He has that schedule to just go on an epic stretch run tear. If he goes in, blows up Cincinnati, and they're not that case and then he just faces the easiest quarterback schedule the rest of the way he's got the legs athleticism and the the firepower around him to be a season changer so that's what i'm really hoping happens that's the ideal gameplay situation uh so uh, ideally it's lamar jackson but any of those quarterbacks are going to be a great play against cincinnati all right stick with that same theme as we go to running back you got alex collins against cincy you got him as your rb 15 five spots higher i mean that was you know just like you liked the uh, quarterback situation for the Ravens the rest of the way, and you also really like their running back situation. I know, as I mentioned, second most rushing yards in the league in addition to the most passing yards, so they're going to get destroyed every which way. We just saw Kamara and Ingram combine for four touchdowns against this team. They give it up in the passing game to running backs, but especially on the ground, too, against bruisers like Collins, who's been playing surprisingly well, has this gross stigma about him, but the RB19 on the season, he's topped double digits in three of his last four games, five of eight on the year, really hasn't been as bad as I think people make him out to be, Uh, and he's definitely all Obviously helped with positive game flows when the team can get up big and he bleeds the clock. And that should happen here uh, against a horrendous 
Cincinnati defense. I think he gets in at least twice this week and just wow. sparks a massive stretch run. I'm a really big fan of Alex Collins here and down the stretch with the easiest running back strength of schedule. We've seen how that's been panning out for other guys so far. I think Collins is the next one to benefit greatly from it, and it starts here against Cincinnati. Marlon Mack against the Titans, the newly revitalized Titans who kicked the living shit out of the Patriots on Sunday. <laughs> Marlon Mack, the RB20, five spots lower than the experts is where you are on that. I mean, again, this seems like a tough defensive matchup to be uh, ranking Mack anywhere near the top 20 or anywhere near the top 15, anything like that. I think visions of those 27 and 30 point days are just still dancing around fantasy owners' minds. But as I've reminded you since they happened, this guy's the ultimate sell high. Those were the legitimately perfect game scripts against awful teams with awful run defenses. They got up huge yeah. and bled out the clock. That was the, the ideal situation for Mac. We saw in a more contested game against Jacksonville this last week, Mac kind of to what I expect him more to be a meager six fantasy points, mediocre usage. Uh, uh, and I think it's going to be even tougher sledding against a Tennessee team that's giving up the second fewest fantasy points to running backs right now uh, and just playing much better ball on the offensive side than Jacksonville. Maybe the Colts even get down big and it becomes a Heinz script. I don't like Mac at all. I already been telling you to sell this guy high. His value is going to keep going down by the week. If you can get rid of him still for low end RB one value, which is how he's getting ranked right now, somehow mm. above Collins on this week, I would sell him immediately if you're still able to. Hail Mary, give me a couple real quick. Well, uh, does Chris Carson count? I know we talked about him. He's ranked as the 43rd. Oh, that's nuts. Expert. That's crazy. He's if below he, if, Penny. If he he's plays, below, he's right, a top exactly. 20 guy. 15, maybe. Exactly. I have him. Yeah, I have him at top 24. Uh, he's below Penny and Davis. I imagine this is still experts catching up to the news. And now that he's cleared to start, this will start to shake off. Uh, but against a soft Packers D, again, 482 yards, four TDs in their last four games. They've been getting destroyed. So if he counts, he's only 30% started at the moment. I think it has to be closer to 100%. If not, if you want a true, pure, like widely available desperation stab that you might find, Let's roll with Ty Montgomery. Let's keep picking on that Bengals matchup. I know it's disgusting. Only 14% on, so probably out there for you. I can see some dump-offs, especially if Jackson or RG3 are under center. Maybe he finds his way into the end zone. He's always had a solid nose for that spot of the field. Uh, I think sneaky 10-plus fantasy point upside here for Ty Montgomery. Maybe he becomes that you know must-add waiver wire guy of the week. He It's just, again, the second most rushing yards, lots of receiving yards to backs. The line fully back and healthy now. I can see Montgomery at 14% owned. If you're completely desperate, there's the Hail Mary play right there. All right, going to wide receivers, Amari Cooper against the Falcons. Seems like a juicy matchup, and it seems like the Cowboys, you know, even though I don't love their offense, seems like they are really overly committed to throwing to Cooper. And uh, he's your wide receiver 15. That's five spots above the experts. I mean, you know, sell it, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you need to because I get where you're coming from. Right. I already love Dak, and if I love Dak, i got to also love his clear-cut top target. 18 looks in his last two games, his first two with the Cowboys, 14 and 10 fantasy points in those contests. And Atlanta, by far the easiest matchup he's had to date. So I think this is where we get vintage, you know, two-touchdown, three-touchdown Amari Cooper-style day. It's the third most fantasy points to wide receivers are the Falcons, and this is just as porous as it gets. Amari's had no problem destroying harder secondaries and harder cornerback matchups. His route running has looked as good as I've ever seen it. I really think this is his just complete blow-up game. He's been solid, but if that wave of targets continues against this awful D, he's going to have by far his best game of the season. I think it comes this week. Corey Davis, 
a guy that we have been shitting on for much of mm-hmm. the season, at least recently. Uh, yeah. Playing the Colts, he's your wide receiver 25. You're six lower than the experts. Have you not learned your lesson, or was it just a fluke from Corey Davis? I'm leaning on fluke side Me here, too. clearly. I, I mean, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm bitter because he I dropped him and then he goes drops 22 on me. So I just want to, you know, he's really going to stick it to him by me putting him this low in my rankings. Sure. But I, I just think experts continually want to find reasons to forgive this guy and finally buy in. And if this is now he's finally back to wide receiver one, he's going to dominate the rest of the, I don't believe it until I at least see back-to-back games where he puts up useful efforts. He's only got two games above fantasy uh, double digits this year. Uh, plenty of two-point clunkers, which he's been in my lineup for. Uh, so I just know how much of a season ruiner he can be because he's been doing it for me all year. Uh, maybe he builds off it. The offense is clicking better. Um, and that makes me a little bit more nervous because the Titans as a whole look better and that obviously helps him out. But ultimately I just, I, I'm not trusting this guy quite yet. I think everybody's willing to shove their chips all in cause they saw one good game. Well, I saw one good game in week two. He put up 26 on my bench and I rode him for four straight and he put up two, three, six, four. So I, I'm not fully bought in. Uh, by the way, we've got a user submission. I was asking about what's a good term for when you cut a guy and then they go off against you uh, when you finally run into him again. And they called it the revenge body. You know, when you break up with like a girl or they break up with you, just works out mm-hmm. as hard as they can. Maybe guys and get time. some fake tits. Right, exactly. Just getting as sexy <laughs> as can be so that the next time they run into you, you just regret everything about not letting bad. them go. That's I not thought bad. revenge body was pretty good. So he revenge like body. We might have to put I'm that in the glossary. I got that, another I, think, I got yeah. another glossary term I want to ask you about. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, what about a guy that just that just ruins your season? He's just a cancer. He's like someone that like you go to again and again and I mean his his presence just ends up like ruining your entire season. Kind of, you kind of like Carmelo Anthony in the NBA, but uh, but like a fantasy football player. I, right. I think cancer is the good word for it. it. Just kind of deteriorates your roster slowly from the inside, and you can't get rid of it easily. Uh, you want to, like, but you don't get it, rid of him either. Yeah, you, exactly. Because so. he's a decent name. Right. I mean, I, I, that's that's kind. Of, I mean, they call it that in sports, right? The team chemistry, the the cancer in the locker room, uh, and I think it makes sense for your fantasy locker room too. They just linger, and everybody else wants you to get rid of them, and you just keep holding on faith. For a while, for me, I thought that was going to be Lashawn McCoy, and then he just goes and has his twenty five point outburst. Uh, and almost saved me a week. So at minimum, he gave me at least one useful effort on the year. Uh, but there are guys that just completely don't give you a single one, like Eddie Lacy a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, God. Yeah. Just that fat body. Oh, disgusting slob. I actually think I saw him actually at the Imperial Buffet. Uh, just down the road from my house. I just how, many, how many Rangoons did he throw? I don't know. It, it was either him or uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah, I can see that one spiraling to a dark place. <laughs> I was about to. I was about to say a terrible thing. All right, hail mary for wide receivers. Uh, you got a minute? Give me a couple. We've got Josh Reynolds and Dante Moncrief as the two I want to cite. Reynolds spikes up from 2% on to 30% on in the matter of a day, but it makes sense, obviously, with Cup gone. He had two TDs his last cupless game. Uh, McVeigh is constantly raved about his wide catch radius, his ultimate body control for guys of his size. Both of those things amount to huge red zone usage in a game with an over-under insanity of 63 and a half is the over-under for the Rams and Chiefs. And honestly, I might hit the over on that. You know me. I always hit the over on you any bet. You love the over. But I, 
see that. I, I mean, I could see it being 30 to 30 in the first freaking half of this game. Uh, it's going to be a points factory and one of the best red zone weapons for the, the Rams right now, whose usage is about to go up significantly. Uh, I think he deserves to be in lineups in a lot of uh, leagues. And if he's not there for you, a lesser owned guy, Dante Moncrief, based in Pittsburgh, who's given up the, the seventh most points to wide receivers. So solidly generous. Uh, he's only had one goose egg in his last five, which obviously kills your lineup. But otherwise, 19-10, that goose egg, 11 <laughs> 7.4, 17.3. So he's been kind of blowing up these last few weeks, and I think they're either going to be in catch-up mode or kind of go up deep, uh, go deep early to build a lead. Either way, it favors Moncrief, who's been the team's clear-cut target. Uh, I think both guys make interesting Hail Mary plays this week at wide receiver. All right, tight ends. Everybody was out on Eric Ebron a week ago. Everybody right. was out three touchdowns later. All of a sudden, you're higher on Ebron than the experts. Against Tennessee, you got him right back up there as your tight end five. The experts have him at 10. Why the flip-flopping? Ah, and this is what's going to kill me is I keep going lower on Ebron because all the breadcrumbs lead to him busting. He's only a 21% snap player. He sees only yeah. half the targets Jack Doyle's seeing. But for whatever reason, he's seeing every single money target. It's almost like the targets he sees should count as five targets because they're always in the red zone or they're deep down the scenes. He's the big playmaker. He's the red zone threat. And he's just constantly capitalizing on the fact that the attention's going to all these other guys, Hilton and, and Doyle. And he's sneaking by the defenses and scoring every single week. He's only, he's tied with Tyree kill right now in terms of, <laughs> touchdowns they also use him on runs and sweeps and different things so creative usage even if it's not high usage the quality of his targets are so high that i can't keep ranking him as my lower guy as the guy i'm not following those trails of evidence that should point to him busting so of course it's going to be the week he goes for like one catch three yards but but regardless he's just been too money i'm not going to recommend him as a sin anymore and he's, he's my you know locked in tight end five this week Got to roll him out because of the quality of those looks. I'm pretty sure last week he had four touches and scored three touchdowns. So, anyway. <laughs> right. It's sanity. Yeah. You know, so, I think your one catch for three yards is pretty unlikely because it would probably be one catch for three yards and a touchdown. And a touchdown. Right. Yeah. All right. Trey Burton, you're lower on. He's playing the Vikings this week. You got him as your tight end nine. The experts have him at five. Why not a believer in Burton, who I traded for recently to replace Gronk? And I would love to hear you say nice things about him. I mean, the, the nice things are he's been scoring at a pretty hefty rate. I think he's got four out of his last five. He's found the end zone. But it's clearly like touchdown or bust type of situation where he's been under 40 yards in four of those five games. Uh, he's only seen four targets or less in those four out of five games. So he had that one blow up against the Patriots and has otherwise been a very minimally used weapon. Still similar to Ebron in that sense that he's making the targets count. He's finding the end zone a lot. Uh, but he's been held out of the end zone a couple times. He's been under five points in those games. So to me, touchdown or bust options make me nervous in a quality defense against Minnesota, whose pass rush is improving with Griffin there. Uh, it just doesn't feel like a Burton week. And Anthony Miller just really emerging there out of the slot and kind of eating into that middle of the field intermediate workload just doesn't bode well for Burton, in my opinion. If he doesn't find the end zone, he's busting. And this is me betting he doesn't find the end zone. All right. Hail Mary. Jeff Hireman, CJ set me right on the pronunciation here. He gave us yeah. a little bit of hell for the fact that neither one of us knew how to pronounce the guy's name. But I mean, yeah, why? Clearly but, easy to pronounce. But like, why would it. you know how to pronounce this guy's name unless you went to high school with him or something? Jeff right. Hireman against the Chargers at the Chargers, 19% owned. You like him as a Hail Mary this week? 
I mean, yeah, we're talking about Hail Mary, so if you're desperate, the guy looks like a complete goon, sounds like a creature of epic proportions. Back-to-back TDs, though, in two straight weeks, had the bye, absolutely blew up last time on the field, 11 targets, 10 catches, 83 and a score, first game without Demarius Thomas. Are they are they directly correlated? Probably not, but I think that it obviously opens up quite a bit of intermediate field uh, the targets, of, of course, uh, if that continues, if he continues to see five to six low in the red zone volumes already there six five good straight line speed he's moved all over the formation and we've seen case keenum make uh, kyle rudolph a tight end two tight end five those couple years so he's loved targeting his tight ends hireman clearly the only guy they have now at the position some upside and the, and the easiest fourth easiest schedule among tight ends remaining here he's got two just juicy matchups after this one against los angeles against bottom five teams in pittsburgh and cincinnati versus tight ends so not just a one week hail mary could also provide some long-term value i think he should be all right you ready to hit the mailbag you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. Right, you're going off about Jeff Hireman, and all of a sudden the screen froze like you were just like about to take a dump. Um, uh, well, I know. maybe to lotion up myself thinking of die Hireman. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. All right, let's talk right. week 11 mailbag. Real quick, before we get into specific questions, let's talk about weekly payouts. There was a big yeah. public debate recently. Uh, Rose Street Journal was involved in uh, public Public, I mean, uh, you know, weekly payouts in fantasy. What do you think? Obviously, some leagues have stuff like, you know, you, you score the most points this week, you get 50 bucks, whatever. What do you think? I personally like it. I was on the side that was advocating for it because I think it spices up each week. I think it incentivizes people to continue to put out their top lineups even when they're out of leagues. Uh, so I am a fan. Now, the the counter argument against me was, oh, it's like everyone getting a consolation prize. It's a, a effort trophy, and it doesn't reflect good teams. And I, I was never arguing that the best team is necessarily getting reflected here. But also, I mean, my 9-1 league where we do get weekly payouts, I've also won that I think six out of like the nine weeks or ten weeks that have happened, my buy-in's already paid for. So I do think the best team is getting rewarded right now. If you're constantly blowing up, I think you do deserve those weekly payouts. Uh, and, pl- and again, it's nice to see your 25 here, 50 here, whatever the the payouts are. I am a fan, and it got pretty heated at uh, the Howling Wolf the other night to the point that other people were, like starting to stare at our table, like, "What the fuck are these guys screaming about?" Uh, I'm a fan. What are your thoughts? I'm with you, and and honestly, I, I'm a Big non-believer in the whole everybody gets a trophy thing. I mean, you you knew me as a of basketball course. coach for yeah, quite a too. long time, and you yeah. know that that's not what I'm all about, even a little bit. I hate. I mean, I would I would all, like give a award when I taught PE for best best student every month, and if the best kid was the same kid five months in a row, I'd give it to him five months in a row. Like Absolutely. I was, and, and I stand by that completely. And it did used to make some people upset, actually. But I believe that, generally speaking, the best teams will win this thing the most times. And if one of the worst teams happens to have the best week one week, great. Like, Good for one, you. wonderful. Right. Yeah. That's nice. You know, I mean, you spent 100 bucks to be in this league. You got 20 bucks back because, like, you got lucky one week. You know, I don't consider that really a participation trophy. So I'm actually on your side. I think maybe in the Road Street Journal, maybe we should try to do that next year. Yeah, I'm in it. All right. Roof, Roof Pizza wants to know, with some buys to deal with, I have one other roster spot. It's a PPR league. To fill with a bunch of similarly unexciting options. Dante Moncrief, Josh Reynolds, Eric Ebron, he says, I'm starting OJ Howard at tight end, or Kiki Cutie. What do you think? I really have no idea. I'm leaning towards Reynolds slightly, I guess. 
We talked yes. about a lot of these guys. We did. We've already covered a lot of them, so I like all these guys as Hail Mary stabs, but I'm leaning Ebron, the guy that's been a scoring monster. I think out of these guys, if I'm looking for a touchdown, how can you argue the guy that's leading the league in receiving touchdowns right now? Uh, Josh Reynolds is intriguing and Dante Moncrief. We talked about both those as our Hail Mary receiver plays, but for me, I'm leaning Ebron over any of them right now. Sean Cantlin wants to know, Cortland Sutton or Josh Reynolds doesn't specify whether it's PPR or not, so let's assume it is. Uh, either way, I'm going to go Sutton. I Me think too. he was kind of a, a long play away. Just missed a big play connection with Keenum from everyone locking this guy no-brainer into your lineups. He's seen a solid 7, 9, 8, 9, just high floor in that sense. And so when he, if and when he starts finding the end zone, it's going to be blow-up central, and I think it starts this week. I'm a big fan of Sutton. James Eichner wants to know, would you trade Joe Mixon for Mike Evans in PPR? He says, I need a wide receiver and have running back depth. What about Mixon and Ridley for Evans and Hooper? I have Burton, but I could use depth. Also, he wants to know, should I trade Mark Ingram for David Njoku and Zach Ertz? Jesus. So it's Ingram and Njoku for Ertz. Oh, Ingram, I was going to say, definitely trade him for Ertz and Njoku if you get the right. chance to do that. All right. I mean, I'll answer the first one. I mean, yeah, you should trade Mixon for Evans if he has wide receiver or if he has running back depth and he needs a wide receiver. I mean, it all depends on your needs, right? I mean, if, right. if he's solid there and he can pick up Mike Evans, yeah, you should go for it. It's tricky to me, though, because Mixon does come with the fifth easiest playoffs running back schedule. Uh, and just like a true workhorse are so rare. I think you can do better than Evans if maybe – and this is how I responded to him was if you can package Mixon and Ridley and aim for that next tier. If you can get a Devontae Adams or a, obviously a Mike Thomas or Hopkins, maybe oh, those guys are untouchable. Nobody's going to do that. Uh, but Evans has just been, I mean, two lackluster games in a row. He's been very inconsistent. There's quarterback tra- trauma and, and drama every single week. So I don't know. The Buck situation, they throw for 400 every week, so you know there's going to be passing aerial pie there. But who gets the aerial pie each week has just been one week it's Humphreys, the next week it's Godwin, the next week it's Djax. And Evans, you'd, you'd think at some point would emerge as that go-to guy. He hasn't been there. So sending a, a valuable asset like Mixon, I think you the other thing you have to consider is, is this other guy a contender? Is he someone you might meet in the right. playoffs? Because I think Mixon is clearly better, in my opinion, than I, Evans. I, I agree that Mixon is a better fantasy player this year. I guess I'm a little right. There's a lot of context we don't know. Yeah. When I hear somebody say I have running back depth, I, I guess you know I have to I have to dial it back because I don't know if that means they have running back depth behind Mixon or if Mixon is like one of a stable. When I say right. I have running back depth and I have Chubb and DJ and Sony Michelle and that's why I was willing to get rid of Carson. Uh, you know, it's a little different though if you're talking about getting rid of your top guy. So I guess right. I just don't know. I mean, if, if Mixon is like your third best guy and you need a wide receiver and you can get Evans, yeah, maybe you do it. But you're right. You could probably get better. Yeah. O- uh, Odell's going real cheap still right now. I'd you know why Odell's he's going Evans. cheap? Because he sucks. But I, you, you, would you rather have Evans over Odell right now? No, I'd rather have Odell. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's also, <laughs> he wants to know, should I trade Ingram and Njoku for Ertz? I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you should. Capitalize on Ingram's blow-up game against the, the perfect game flow. Uh, Njoku just a disappearing act. There's nobody more consistent than Ertz. What a huge edge he is every single week. Don't even hesitate on that one. Yes. Your clawfulness wants to know Allen Robinson, Smokey Brown, or Sutton. I'm going to go Smokey Brown there. I know he's off the, the most duds out of this three group, but Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. We've talked about that play. We're going to watch the Baltimore Ravens just get shut out this week after we've raved yep. about all of them. It's possible, up. man. 
right? Like you never know what's going to happen. It is the Ravens after all. But I think this is the week Smokey Brown reemerges. Uh, even though Robinson's fresh off that blow up and Sutton is a higher floor here, I just couldn't bench Smokey Brown knowing he's probably going to go for 23 this week. Mahan wants to know Dak or Mariota to replace Brady on this bye week. I'm assuming you're saying Dak. Yeah, we've already raved about the guy against Atlanta. The matchup is so much better than Mariota. I think getting uh, Indy, they're decent against the pass this year, surprisingly. And I just have Dak at QB11 at QB1, in my opinion. You, you might be replacing Brady long-term with Dak at this point. Brady's, yeah, no kidding. Alex he wants, He's thrown one touchdown in three weeks. Like, that's horrible. Yeah, do you know in Derek Carr's last four games, he's thrown three touchdowns. They're all in one game. So three, three out of his last four games, he scored zero touchdowns. <laughs> Yeah, Brady, two of his last three, he's only he's at zero. It's horrible Yeah, right now. Uh, Alex wants to know, Tariq Cohen or Marlon Mack? I already talked about being down on Mack this week, so I'll roll Cohen. Just such big upside. And uh, what I think will be a shootout game against Minnesota, a Cohen game script, I like him. Owen wants to know, I got. he says, I got two questions for you. Tariq Cohen or Alex Collins going against the abysmal Cincinnati defense. And then he also wants to know, Amari Cooper versus Stephon Diggs coming off an injury going against a good Chicago D. Ooh, that those are actually pretty brutal ones. Uh, I would like to know PPR not, especially for that first one, Cohen, Cohen versus Collins. Right. Uh, I think that flips the the decision for me. If it's full PPR, it's Cohen. If it's half or standard, I'm going Collins there. Uh, I, like I said, I think Collins gets in for two touchdowns though. So either way, I'm probably leaning Alex Collins. And then Cooper versus Diggs is very tricky. I, I have such a hard time ever benching Diggs because he's just so prone to those 182 TD days and a pretty decent floor otherwise. Uh, but he's coming off the – like they mentioned, coming off the injury. Chicago's D is tough, although they give up a lot of yards after the catch, especially the slot guys. And we know Diggs moves all over the formation. This, this one's really fucking hard. I, I probably have him like wide receiver 14 and 15. And I probably have Diggs ahead of him, so I'll uh, uh, hesitatingly say Diggs. CJ wants to know, and he, he's in CJ and Jimmy, by the way, are, you know, of the four of us that have been around since the beginning of the RSJ. I believe that they are uh, a combined, I want to say, four and 16 in the Roto Street Journal Pathetic League losers. this year. I mean, oh. you know, I expect that sort of behavior from CJ, but, but Jimmy, come on, I Jimmy. I know. All right. What are you, what are you that, doing, man? Anyway, <laughs> CJ wants to know he's at a, a half point PPR. Pick two out of four. He needs to win out. We love that though. We love the four and six win out. Yeah, claw on in, baby. Traquan versus DJ Moore versus Dante Moncrief versus Christian Kirk. I don't love those options, uh, but he needs two of them to win. He needs to win out. Come on, man. Puke Lie to me, CJ. Tell me something. Maybe I know. Not. Go ahead. He told me he has uh, Brita and Chubb on by. So tough, tough running yeah, back by week. Him. I got Chubb on by too. Ah, man, who am I leaning in this one? This is horrible. (laughs) It's like, uh, oh, I think I'm I'm leaning towards, I think I'm leaning towards Moncrief and Christine Kirk. I I think we're going Moncrief and Kirk. Yeah, that's what I would say, too. Honestly, the floor is just a little bit higher with both those guys. I think more in Traquan come with the bigger blow up potential, but. Neither one of them will blowing up. They've had like one blow-up game each and it's pathetic otherwise, whereas we've seen at least a bit of consistency out of Moncrief and Kirk. Uh, and I love Kirk's matchup too. They just getting roasting the Raiders' defense, uh, just getting destroyed week in and week out. Yeah, I go Moncrief-Kirk. Last but not least, our boy, Link Clegg love from it. Down Under. Link Clegg, baby. Question, trade Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Wow, for Big Ben and Mike Thomas. What do you think, man? <laughs> So that's one of those situations where, like, 
when you look at strength of schedule and we wrote our guide and all that, you'd think I would pick Big Ben and Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas, the fourth or the third easiest uh, wide receiver schedule, including a playoff schedule to just get horny over. Big Ben, the easiest playoff schedule for quarterbacks, and he's been kind of blowing up. But then it's just like Mahomes and Tyreek have gotten you there so far. They've been so money together. This is one of those things where you make a move like that because the analytics point to it, and it just ruins your fantasy team chemistry, and the locker room is pissed at you for trading away the godsend of Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill been the godsend too this year. So I stay the course. I keep my guys that I've been rolling with, even if their strength of schedule is worse and all that. Ride the guys who have gotten you there. Stick with Mahomes and Tyreek. And let's face it, Wolf, and this is a good way to end. Everybody, and I mean everybody, loves a good pig roast. Absolutely. Everybody loves a good that is there a better pig roast in the league this year than Mahomes Tyreek? I mean, I don't know. Maybe no. No, there's not. Breeze and Thomas. I was gonna say Breeze and Thomas is nice. I mean, you know no, that that's the best pig roast there is. And I mean you know, maybe maybe Kelsey and uh and Mahomes. (laughs) Right, exactly. What's it what's it called when there was when there's three? Just a gangbang? <laughs> <Just like, laughs> I don't even know. Well, it's just, it's like, two is a pig roast. Three filmed. is one of those orgies where everyone shows up with a mask on. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just get numb at some point. You're just like, one will just end. What hole hasn't should, touched at this that point? That should just like, be in, in the glossary. Just like one of those parties where everyone wears a mask and everyone has sex. And then it's just like when three guys on the same team... <laughs> Just pulverize you, right? Exactly. Oh man, I'm um, gonna be I, laughing about this like for an hour. Um, all right, man. Keep putting them on the spit link, though. Yeah, absolutely. Throw yeah, your opponents in the ice tower. Yeah, Pay definitely. Roast them all time. Yeah, Good to absolutely. Hear from you, man. Love getting uh, mail from halfway across the world. Absolutely. All right, man. You got any social media you want to pump? As always, Roto Street Wolf is where you can find me for any sit start questions. If you want to cut down the wire, you got some injuries and you got to get your sit starts ready on Sunday, hit up Facebook and Instagram. We have our face uh, our sit start show, the Fantasy Tailgate. Uh, answer every single sit start question that comes in, even if it leads right up to kickoff. Last week we were going until I think twelve forty five. It, it was tons of mailbag questions. I think we had a record like seventy or eighty. Unbelievable week. So tune on in, join everybody else for the tailgate. It's a great time. Uh, and then otherwise, Roto Street Journal on Facebook and uh, Twitter's where I mean, um, on Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find that show. Roto ST Journal on Twitter for all the breaking stuff. Track us all, and of course, subscribe. Let us know what your thoughts are in the review section of the Fantasy Fullback Dive. RotoStreetJournal.com, the homepage. Check everything out. We'll be doing this lead blocking for these last three weeks, and then into your playoffs. Let's get that title, baby. My name is Nat Truth Jones. The Wolf, best of luck in week 11, guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second down. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.